Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. It is good to see you all. We're continuing on with our series, Living Forward. I feel like I haven't been preaching much the last few weeks, months, something like that. Just so many people coming through and speaking, some great um, uh, speakers, and so I'm going to try to keep up with them. Uh, last week, Kevin Now, one of my dearest friends and uh, the former leader of this church, uh, senior pastor before, was here, and uh, amazing word. I'm um, going to carry on a little bit uh, from what, what he shared, um, and uh, I heard the midweek recharge is going great. Uh, they had, a, I think, a panel last, last time, uh, five folks, and just talking about everything from career to marriage to following God and how faith fits into all of that. Uh, and so you wanna, don't want to miss those times. Um, but let's get into it because we have quite a bit to, to cover. We're in Living Forward, which our summer series, just talking about how we journey in life and how we learn to live the adventure that is life that God created us for. Your life is a journey. Uh, you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. This is our, our theme verse uh, for the summer, for this series. Life is a journey, uh, especially in, in a, a church like this, expat church. We're all from different places. We do a lot of journeying, and we're all sort of on a journey here. But the, the scripture, Peter says, you need to travel with a deep consciousness of God. That sense, the Bible says that he never leaves us never forsakes us but sometimes he is out of our consciousness just like my mom my my, my mom my wife <laughs> that's it's gonna be bad right <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes you know in life we're 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 walking you know like this we spent the last week in korea and we're walking around and and you know every once in a while i'm just off walking on my own and she's kind of like uh, we're living single again, you know, I'm just, I, I love to walk fast. Um, but, um, but we need to have this, con we, we live like that with God sometimes, like, like there is no God, and like he's not a part of our lives. We just kind of go along our way with no consciousness of God. And so part of this series is to help us understand how God works in our lives by looking at our own lives in the past, looking at biblical um, characters, as well as testimonies from others who have lived the life with God and sharing from their life. So, Sergeant Kierkegaard said, life is best understood looking backwards, which is why we, we love testimonies. We love studying uh, stories from scripture of biblical characters, because that's like looking backwards at their lives and drawing lessons. But it says it's best experienced looking forward. So we want to take the experiences of our life and, and the lives of others and say, what can we learn and how do we then apply those practices and principles and values, perspectives to our lives moving forward. And so that's what we're going to do today. All right, so a little bit of, of catch up. We were this past week, my wife and I were in Korea uh, with our South Korea churches. We were there for, um, we're doing a uh, ordination. That's the word, right? Ordination. Anyway, the guy is in the middle. There's Daniel, who uh, we ordained as a new pastor there in our, our Ian church in, in Korea, in Seoul. And then next to him on his right is the pastor of the church there, uh, Pastor Yoram. Uh, on the far right is Rodnell, who is the head of missions for uh, our churches in the Philippines. I think they're in how many nations? 
I don't know, 38 nations. I think they have 140 missionaries in 38 nations uh, that he oversees. And next to him from the right is Pastor John, who, who oversees East Asia, which is what we're a part of. Um, and then on the, the left next to my wife and I is Gio, who is the pastor of our church in Macau. And so we were the team that went there just to come alongside the church and strengthen them, sit with the pastor and his wife, talk to them, see how their family's doing. We want to make sure that they're healthy. Because as, as a pastor and his wife and as their leaders, if they're healthy, then the church becomes healthy. And, and so we just come in uh, once a year and, and we do that. So that was this, this past week. Here's East Asia, the part we're a reg or the region we're a part of. There's a churches in Japan, in the Philippines, Guam, and Saipan, uh, Hong Kong, and Macau, and Taiwan. And that's us. Eight, eight territories, 146 churches, two current church plants, and 1,485 um, college, university campuses that we're currently ministering on um, in East Asia. So we, we went to Korea, and um, what we want to do today is we're going to pray. Over the rest of the summer, we want to pray for each of our East Asian countries uh, because we're all a part of one team, and we want to support them in prayer. And so we're just going to spend a moment here at the beginning of the service just praying for them. South Korea has a 51 million people. 28% are Christian. They had a huge revival there uh, in, in the past few decades uh, where millions came to Christ. But uh, what's happening in Korea now is, is the younger generation is quickly leaving church and leaving God. And so we, we want to come alongside and pray and reach on the campuses there, reach the, the next generation. Um, so here's yeah, Ian, Korea. Um, they have one church. There's one church in Seoul, and then there's a church plant in Busan. So we spent a few days down there. Um, hitting the campuses, talking to the, the, the church planting team down there. Uh, in Seoul, there's three university campuses that they have ministries on currently. There's actually five university campuses with about 100,000 students within a four-kilometer uh, radius around the, the church there. So a lot of college students to reach. Um, and they have 22 small group leaders. Wanna, and so this is one of their outreaches there. Busking is a big uh, outreach. People love to gather around when they busk. So this is busking uh, in Hong 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 Dai Hong Gik Hong Dai. My my Koreans about the same as my Chinese. Uh, so so sad. Uh, yeah, Hong Gik University Hong Dai is the area, and they were busking there, and um, just crowds of of young people. Uh, these are the ones who who responded to the gospel. Um, and, and right there on the street just came to the Lord as Pastor Yoram in the, the, the um, olive green jacket and uh, the new pastor Daniel in the white jacket uh, praying for them. So it's awesome seeing people come to Christ uh, there uh, on the streets at the university. Um, here's a prayer request we're going to pray for. A multiplication of leaders. Um, they're just, uh, all, they have so much opportunity just looking for people to rise up. A provision, Korea is 25% more expensive than Taipei. So we want to pray for provision for the church. Uh, and then campus ministry, um, that God would multiply more campus ministers and want to pray for the church plant in Busan. So would you just join me as we pray for our church in Korea? Father, we come to you. We're so thankful, Lord, that you allow us to partner with others. Lord, as we seek to reach every nation, as you commanded us to go to every nation, preach the gospel, make disciples. And today, Lord God, we lift up uh, our, our brothers our, our, our brothers, and, and our sisters there in, in South Korea, in the church in Seoul. 
Pastor Yoram and his wife Sophia, Lord, their team, their family. God, we pray that you would come alongside and let there be a multiplication of leaders. Lord, even as we, we uh, ordained Daniel as a new pastor, Lord God, we pray for more pastors, more leaders, more campus workers to rise up there. Father, we pray for provision, uh, Lord, especially for those who are coming into the ministry. Uh, God, that, that you would provide finances for them uh, to be able to multiply ministers. Uh, Lord God, we also pray especially for campus ministers with 100,000 students right around the 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 the, the church uh, and and also in Busan, God, we're praying that op doors would open on college campuses, that the next generation, uh, Lord God, would come to Christ and not be lost. In Jesus' name, Father, we especially pray for the the, the new church plant in Busan. That Father, you would just begin to open doors, uh, bring people to Christ, raise up leaders. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's an overview of what we're going to talk about today. Living forward, we're going to talk about failure to rest. And uh, so how that affects our ability to live forward and accomplish God's purposes in our lives and the hard work of rest. So how do we work our way into rest, which seems contradictory, but it's biblical. And so we'll figure that all out. We're just kind of taking what the Bible says, taking life experiences, uh, and then applying them uh, to our lives. All right, so here's our theme scripture for today. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We have the same confidence that Paul has. That God, who's begun a good work in your life, he's going to complete it. That's God's promise. That's God's intention. And he's pretty, pretty good at carrying out his promises in our lives. And as a church, that's what we're committed to. That's why we gather together. That's why we create community. That's why we teach the words. Because we want every single one of us to complete the work that God has begun in you. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you've called each and every one sitting here today. That Lord, they're not here by accident. But God, that you have a work in their lives for which you have called and created them a destiny and a purpose, Lord God, an intention for their lives. And Lord, your intentions are always good. Your intention for each and every one of our lives is good for us and good for the communities and the generation that we live in. And so our prayer, Lord God, is that you would be faithful to your word to complete that which you started in each one here. God, you also know that the areas of challenge in our lives, the things that hold us back, the things, uh, Lord, that we struggle with, and God, I pray that today would be a day when we see breakthroughs in those areas, that we would be able to, to enter fully into the rest to which you've called us and out of which we then accomplish your purposes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, God calls each and every one of us to rest. Uh, we often talk about how in, in creation, the six, seven days of creation, on the sixth day, God made man. And then the very next day was the Sabbath day of rest. So, so in creation, human, humanity, we were created to start with rest. And that's why in the Jewish tradition, they consider the date begins at sundown. So you begin every day with rest. And then you function from a place of rest rather than a place of unrest. 
And it really changes perspective and it changes how you approach life. When you, when you approach life and embrace life from a place of rest, there's more joy, there's more clarity, there's a lot more emotional margin that we have in our lives when we're well rested. There's a lot more performance margin that we have in life when we're well rested. And so God calls us to start life or to function in life out of a place of rest. But so often we fail to do that. And so Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 11 is referring back to when the children of Israel were traveling from Egypt to their promised land. And how so many of them failed to make it to the promised land, which was to be their place of rest. So they have a home base from which then to function. God's people are always called to be a blessing to the world around them. And so God intended a promised land for them to be a base of blessing to the rest of the world. And each of us, our lives are like that. That's representative of each and every one of our lives. That our lives are meant to be a place of blessing from which we bless all those around us. It's never about us. When God blesses our lives, it's never for us. It's always for others. But there's a place of striving to enter into rest, which makes no sense at all. Uh, and so we want to just unpack that. What Paul, what are you talking about? What does that mean? How do we apply that to our lives, this striving to enter into rest? Because the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, that we're able to be saved. And, and it's, not our, uh, it's not by our human efforts that we accomplish anything of eternal value. But here Paul says there's also a place of striving to enter into rest. And if we don't do that, if we don't get to that place of rest, then we, we may uh, fail of completing all that God intends for us. And we may miss out on that. So failure to rest, what does that look like? Well, there are a lot of things that, that detract uh, or that pull us from that place of rest. And, and to start with, I just want to take a moment and, and define some of these terminologies that we use because everybody talks about, you know, stress and burnout and worry and anxiety. And, and what are all these, how are we going to use those words? What do they mean in our lives? And what are, how do we then address these things that take our rest away, that cause us to lose our peace? And some people, you know, they're, they're, they, they walk through life very um, restful or they sleep easy. Some people are heavy sleepers and nothing shakes them and they just kind of go through and I'm kind of like a heavy sleeper. I'm always like my wife, you can turn on the lights, make noise. It doesn't bother me. I'm, I, you know, I, I grew up sharing a bedroom, five brothers in one bedroom. So nothing bothers me. You know, I can sleep through fights and wrestling and whatever, you know, roll over me. I'm just going to go back to bed. Um, I, I also sleep through any lectures, you know, college. I slept through college, slept through high school. Uh, they made me a pastor because every time I'm sitting out there and someone's up here preaching, I'm sleeping. So they said, well, you got to get up and speak. So you quit snoring, you know, so, so that's kind of me. I'm like the heavy sleeper. My wife's the opposite. Uh, you know, when I snore, she's got to put on the noise canceling, the earplugs, everything to, you know, the eye patch, everything to block out anything that would disturb her sleep. And, and some of us are like that. Every little thing disturbs our lives. And others are like, we're just going to keep going no matter what happens. Okay, so, so here's a little definition of things that cause um, us to get out of rest. Therefore, while the promise of entering this rest, his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should should seem to have failed to reach it there's a promise of rest but we need to enter into that promise of rest okay 
for the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. In other words, when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, there were those who believed God and ended up being able to, they believed the promises of God, that God would give them that land despite wilderness, despite famine, despite lack of water, despite giants, they believed God and they ended up entering into the, the, the promise. Others did not trust God and did not enter into the promise. For we who, who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, God says this, your rest has been provided, paid for, from before the world was created. Jesus was the lamb, the Bible says, slain, for us on the cross from before the world was created before you were even born god already made a way for no matter how badly you mess up no matter how bad a life you live jesus on the cross makes a way for you to find peace with god and rest in life that's finished and done and yet there are still some who don't enter into that rest even though it's already provided we still have to have a faith and a trust. And so we want to talk today about what does that look like? What, what are the things that cause people who, even though the rest has been promised and provided, who don't ever possess that rest in their lives? What is it that causes that? And how can we encourage each other to not be that, but rather to be those who live out of the rest that God has provided and who walk in those promises okay is that are, are we tracking it's making sense all right we're trying we're trying to make sense here we go things that steal our rest there's some things that are normal and necessary concern we all have concerns that's just a normal part of life if you're not concerned you're not paying attention you know you should be concerned are, are the kids fed that's a concern you know, it's raining. Do you have your umbrella? That's a concern. There's, there's major concerns, minor concerns, but all of life we have concerns and that's a normal part of life. All of us have concerns. Yes, concerns, God, okay. Stress. We all have some level of stress. Now there's damaging levels of concern and damaging levels of stress, but for the sake of definition today, just to define these for the sake of this message, concern is just something that you're concerned about. Stress is something that there's a tension there. And, and we can't function actually without some level of stress. Guy, if we're not given like deadlines and say, okay, I got to get done by such and such a time. I got to wake up at such a time in the morning. That puts a level of stress on us. But stress is kind of like gravity. It's really hard to function without any stress. So without any weight of gravity, like astronauts, they cannot do simple, even simple tasks become really hard to do without some level of gravity or weight pulling them down and holding things down without some level of stress, okay? So um, music, there's no music without some level of stress. If everything's at rest and there's no vibrations and no movement, if there's no tension on the string, you ever tried to make music with a guitar that all the strings are have no tension? It's like nothing happens. So in our lives, we need, we need a level of stress to function. Like we need a level of gravity, okay? That's normal and necessary, even fear, there's a certain level of, of fear that's actually normal, uh, but, it's, but, but it's not necessary. So we'd say there's concerns, there's stress, maybe we'd call it threats. 
there's threats. Every, we all have threats in life. There's a, you know, and, and we have to recognize when a threat comes. If there's a big dog snarling at you. You need to recognize that's a threat. If, the, if, the, if you go to the oven and, and the burner is red, you need to say, okay, that's a, that would be a threat. If I touch that, it's not going to go well. And, and that's, that's just a healthy, normal, necessary part of life. Concern, stress, threat. But what's normal but not necessary is worry. When we have a concern and we have no solutions and we worry, um, that's not necessary, but it's pretty normal. Most of us have levels of worry. But what we do is that worry is meant to motivate us to address the concern. Fear. We have certain levels of fear. When, when you want to jump off the cliff, there's a level of fear that comes. But then you have to assess, is, this, is it safe? Is there enough water down there to catch me when I get there? Is that okay? Are we all right? Is my bungee cord okay? Is my parachute right? And if we've addressed the fear, then uh, the, the threat, then the fear goes away. But fear is actually a healthy thing, but it's not necessary. All right? So because when, when everything's right, your, your, your parachute's good, the bungee cord, whatever's everything's set, then, then it eliminates the fear. If you've done everything you need to do to hit your deadline or goal at work or at school, the fear goes away. When you're not doing the work, then there's fear, right? But worry and fear are specific to to an instance, okay? And they're, they're, you're still able to function. What's not normal and not necessary is what we would call anxiety, which is debilitating fear, debilitating worry. It's when it starts to just generalize and we just can't do anything anymore. We start to get this feel down in, inside of us. We, you know, we, we, um, we had a bad relationship with someone. Someone, someone says something bad and, and, uh, or someone bullied us and, and that hurts and, and there's pain there and there's some concern and stress that goes with that. But once we deal with it, it goes away and it's specific to the person who bullied us. But when that starts to get into anxiety, then we're scared of everybody. We're scared to, we don't want to get out of the house in the morning. We just don't want to do anything. And so anxiety is when worry or fear becomes debilitating, becomes generalized, uh, and, and affects us physically and mentally. Depression is similar. It's a sadness. It's a grief that becomes debilitating, generalized, and begins to affect us not only mentally, but also physically. So that's, um, these are just the things that steal our rest. The things we want to avoid are anxiety and depression. The things we want to get rid of are worry and fear. All right? So what's the hard work of rest or peace? That life without anxiety, without depression, that life without worry and fear. All right? Um, this is the hard work that, uh, of it. And we're going to go to the book of Philippians. Moving a little quickly here. Um, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Because what Paul does is he gives us the recipe for walking in peace and walking in rest in the midst of difficult circumstances. Philippians, if you remember, the church at Philippi was birthed out of chaos, was birthed out of conflict, it was birthed out of, uh, of persecution and pain. So when, if you're not familiar with the story, the church in Philippi was birthed when Paul and his ministry buddy uh, Barnabas had a fight. They had a fight over John Mark, who was Barnabas' nephew who wanted to bring along. Paul said, I don't want the guy. Barnabas said, he's my, he's my nephew, you got to bring him along. They said, well, if you want him, then you don't got me. And so they split. It was a big break, breakup song. I'm sure he said, they sang sad songs. Um, but, but they went opposite ways. And, and, then, um, and so Paul's like, okay, well, what shall we do? 
you know, I don't know. Let's let's just go try, try preach somewhere where no one else has preached before. So he tries to go to one city, and, and the Holy Spirit says no. And then he tries to go to another one, and the Holy Spirit says no. And if I'm a Paul follower at this time, I'm kind of thinking, probably should have gone with Barnabas. You know, Paul has no clue. Like, everything wants to, everyone wants to go. The Holy Spirit is saying no. Uh, then he's finally like, okay, I got a dream, a vision. Let's go to, to Macedonia, to Greece. And they go, say, all right, we find it. We got a word from the Lord. They go to Greece. They start reaching out. Some people get saved. It's awesome. And then persecution comes. They get beaten. They get put in stocks, you know, the wood things. Yeah. And, and then they're, they're left in the inner prison all night long. So their, their backs are bleeding. They're beaten. They're, they're not only in, in a jail cell, they're in stocks in a jail cell. It's not looking good. Like if I'm with them, if I'm Silas, Paul's companion, I'm like, I really should have gone with Barnabas, man. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they're in prison and beaten up too. Um, but in the middle of that, what do they do? They start worshiping. And then God just brings a, a, an amazing deliverance, shakes that gel, and all that happens. So Philippians is, is a church that was built on confusion, conflict, beatings, and yet God came through. And so Paul now here, she's summing up and saying, here's the principles. Here's how you have rest in any situation. Here's you have peace regardless of persecution or conflict or, or bad circumstances. And so verses, starting in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, he says, number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What does that mean? It means choose joy. Rejoice. You lose your joy, you get more joy. And he says, you rejoice. It's a commandment. In other words, it's something you get to choose. So we oftentimes think joy are, and, and our emotions are the product of our environment and our circumstances. Paul says, you got to start living the opposite. You got to start recognizing that you can choose joy. You can go ahead and make somebody happy. You can make yourself happy. And, and you ever seen that? You know, just uh, it's, it's, it's something that we have the ability to do ourselves. But first of all, we need to understand that we have that power. We can choose to love. We can choose to be joyful. Even when we don't feel like it on the inside. I remember one of uh, my, my mom's good friends, whenever we walked through just a bunch of different horrendous life situations and she'd always say you know either gonna laugh or cry and I choose to laugh and she would laugh with tears running down her face you know and just say someday we're gonna look back on this thing and just it's so ridiculous you know that things could get this bad uh, and we're gonna laugh at it because we've survived it um, so we might also choose to start laughing about it now because we're gonna survive it uh, and and that's the thing you're gonna be on the journey anyway and either it's going to be like a horror show where it's just full of fear or it's going to be like an adventure, like a Disney ride where it's full of joy because you know that God's got you. See, that's the difference between a disaster where you're like, am I going to survive? I don't know. Everything's crashing down. I'm just rolling down this mountain or an adventure ride. Like, oh, this is awesome. We're just creaming down this mountain. Same circumstance, but one, you know you're safe. You know God's got you. You know he's going to work something good out of it. And, and that's life with God. Choose joy. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? It means keep calm. It means be the person who in the middle of, of the storm, just like you don't use your temper. You don't start looking for people to blame. You don't start lashing out. I love what the queen said. Keep calm and carry on. So that's the royal demeanor. The royal demeanor means I know I'm in charge and things are going to work out. We will, we will get everyone through this. Everyone's looking at you. So keep calm and keep the course. 
so that others can get confidence from that. And how do we have confidence? Because God is at hand. He's right here with us. He's walking with us through it. He's in control. When everyone else is freaking out, we can keep calm, carry on. Why? Because we are children of the God of the universe. We have to have that sense of just in, in the midst of chaos, we should be the calmest person in the room because we have God. Next verse, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Do not be anxious. No anxiety. No matter what's going on. But God, you don't understand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Anxiety versus prayer. See, we choose. We either look at our circumstances and we put them in charge, we look at our feelings and we say, that's going to be in charge. We look at our own perspective and say, that's going to be in charge. Or we go to God and we talk to Him and we put Him in charge. See, prayer is communication. It's not a religious activity by, where, by which if we do enough of it, we get God's favor. Prayer, rather, is communication with God. It's about talking with Him and saying, God, how do you see this? And what do you want me to do in this? How do you want me to learn from this? How should I respond here? What you, what's your intention in these circumstances? Why did you bring this person into my life who is ruining my life? You know, um, How am I supposed to respond to them? It's that communication with God. You see, peace is, peace is not it, the absence of conflict and chaos. and you know, Peace is not the absence of persecution or warfare in our lives. Peace is actually the presence of Jesus in our lives. Because then regardless of what's happening around us, Jesus guides us through it. And his promise is, I'm always going to bring you through it. I'm always going to work something good out of it. But it only happens that way when we listen to him and follow his instructions through the chaos and in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the battle. That's what it means. I love that song, Speak Jesus. It's all about tuning in. What is Jesus saying? What does he want me to say and do? How should I see things? How can I bring Jesus' perspective and his heart into this circumstance, this situation? Then when people are facing addictions, dark circumstances, we bring the light of Jesus, not just because we smile so much, but because we say what Jesus wants to say. We do what Jesus wants to do. We act the way Jesus would act in that moment. And that's what brings peace in the midst of the anxiety. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Prince of Peace. So when we talk about the peace of God, we're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about an emotion. We're talking about a person in our lives that surpasses all understanding, and He guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's in Christ that peace comes. And it's kind of like the picture you get is, is you ever been uh, in, in, in a room with, with kids? And so a young little kid comes in, and he gets hurt or gets scared, and the first thing they do is, where's mom? You know, and when they and when the first time when they feel separated from mom, they're just crying, and they're 
freaking out. You ever seen a kid freak out because mom or dad, they don't know where they are? And mom and dad are actually just sitting right, are standing right next to them. But they're freaking out. Where's mom? Where's dad? You know, I fell down. I got to hurt, you know. And then as soon as mom says, hey, you know, here, son, here, daughter, you can come and puts her arms around them, peace. Why? Because mom's there. Because dad's there. And that's the life that God calls us to live because he's here. That regardless of the circumstances, there's peace. That's the power of peace. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we have that love relationship with God, then that eliminates fear in our lives. Scripture says, you keep him, God, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So as we keep our hearts and our minds focused on Jesus, as we are deeply conscious of God's presence in our lives, as, sort of, uh, as, as First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, you know, we have this deep awareness of God with us in the journey then peace comes into our lives. And, and that's, that's, that's why we speak Jesus. It's because he's the one we're looking for. It's like how Jesus lived when he walked the earth. He said, I, I say what the Father gives me to say. I do what I see the Father wanting me to do. And then he calls us to follow in his footsteps so that we say what we hear Jesus wanting us to say. And we do what we see Jesus wanting us to do. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, so we have to choose what we meditate on. There's a difference between um, what the world and other religions call meditation, which is just to take all, anything stressful out of your mind and have a blank mind. But biblical meditation is that we focus on these things. What's true? And truth is not just about facts. Truth is about what aligns with the person who is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. What aligns with me? If Jesus says, I want to heal your cancer, then truth aligns with that. It says, Jesus is going to heal my cancer. The fact is, medical knowledge may not have the ability yet to heal that particular cancer. But time and again, we've seen Jesus heal that. Whatever is honorable, what things are worthy of honor? Whatever is just, what's the right things to do, what's righteous, what's pure, set apart to God, what's lovely, commendable, excellent. These are the things that we should be thinking about. These are the things we should be speaking. See, as Christians, we... As human beings, we have a choice of what we want to focus on, what we want to meditate on. And we can meditate on other people's shortcomings, their failures, the bad things they've done. We can spend all our time grumbling and complaining about that. Grumbling and complaining is another way of meditating. Or we can meditate on what Jesus says. Jesus, what do you say about this person? What do you say about this circumstance? What's true? What's the honorable, honorable way to respond to this? What's the pure way to think about this? What's the lovely and commendable way 
to talk about that person, this circumstance. So study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. That's why we have the Bible. and That's why we, we read the Bible every day is to, 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 to find Jesus in it. So that when we speak, we do speak what Jesus would say. We do see things the way God sees them. How do we get that perspective? By getting into the Word, meditating on Scripture. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We get courageous. We get strong by being in the Word. Jesus said this, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You see, as we study the Scriptures and as we pray, it should all be about aligning our hearts with Jesus' heart. If we just study the Word to get biblical knowledge and just to get more moral rights and wrongs, then we're going to end up very legalistic people, very judgmental people. But Jesus said, you guys study so much scriptures and you missed the whole point. The point is to connect with me so that you're not, not just speaking right and wrong. You're not just speaking moral judgments. You're speaking Jesus. What's on his heart? And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. It's talking about the children of Israel when they're going through the desert. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. And I don't know if we're at the very end of the age. All I know is we're closer to the end than anybody else who's lived before us. So we're closer than anybody else. Uh, and we have to stop just grumbling and complaining. We need to be people who speak the words of Jesus. And what you have learned and, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Again, it's practice. None of us walk perfect in any of this. But as we practice and as we encourage one another and say, Let, let's just get better at it. We're gonna, we keep, we'll stumble, we'll fall, we'll fall, we'll still have things we struggle with. But we encourage each other in it. And as we practice, we'll keep getting better at speaking life, at speaking love, at talking to God and getting his perspective. That's the Christian life. Practice these things. That God of peace will be with you. And that's the trump card. That, that regardless of you know, where we are in our practice, if we're practicing and struggling and not really getting it, the God of peace is still with us. And even in our failed efforts, His peace rules and reigns. And we can rely on that rest so that we can have rest even as we're practicing and trying to get better at hearing God's voice and knowing Him. We can still have rest because the God of peace is with us. Practice makes perfect. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Peace begins with us inviting the Prince of Peace into our lives. It starts with that relationship with Jesus. Because peace, again, it's, it's not a state of being. It's not an absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus in our lives. And so we invite Jesus into our lives. This is what we call salvation. It's simply saying, Jesus, you come. You deal with the sin in my life, the mess in my life. You be the Lord of my life. You be the one who brings peace into my life. But then the Bible says we're also called to, we're called to be peacemakers. 
So as peace comes to us, as we begin to understand the heart of Jesus, we need to share that heart with others. And today as we close, two things I want to pray for. One, if you've never invited the Prince of Peace into your life, if you don't know what it is like to live with that kind of peace and rest that transcends circumstance, that transcends conflict in our lives, then I want to encourage you, today is a day to invite Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into your life. To really find the source of rest and peace regardless of your circumstances. And for some of us, we've done that maybe many times, maybe a long time ago. But in our lives, it's easy. It's a practice. It's an ongoing practice. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we stray away. Sometimes we live with a lack of awareness, like we're, no, like we're not Christians, like God isn't in our lives. We live with all this worry, all this anxiety. Because why? We, we, we just ignore the presence of God. We ignore the promises of God in our lives. And we live like God's not there. And we live like his promises aren't true. And so we, we get weighed down with more worry and anxiety and fear. And, and if that's you today, then it's just a time to return back to God and just say, okay, God, I, I, I want to, this is what repentance is. It's turning from our own way of thinking and our own direction in life and turning back to God. Saying, God, I want to walk with you again. I want to draw close to you again. The things that I've allowed to come between you and me and, and, and me and others and, and to come between me and the peace that, that you bring into my life. I want to turn those over to you. And I want to renew that peace. So would you all bow your heads with me? I'm going to say a simple prayer. I've just invited the Prince of Peace to come into our lives to make peace between us and God, us and ourselves, us and the world around us. And I'm going to invite you just to agree in prayer with me. Especially if you've never asked Jesus to come and be the Prince of Peace in your life. I want to encourage you, today is your day. And so Jesus, we come to you. You know that the conflict in our lives, you know the sin in our lives, you know the shame, you know the, the failures and shortcomings of our lives, you know the addictions and the brokenness, the places where we need healing, the places where we need deliverance. We come to you and say, Jesus, Prince of Peace, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the mess that I've made. Wipe the slate clean by your blood shed on the cross. Come and be my Savior, be my Lord, be my Prince of Peace. And Father, you know where, where I've drifted from you and where I've ignored you. And Father, we pray just to give us a gift, gifts of repentance that we would turn once again to you. For those of us who've experienced your peace in our lives, but who've drifted from it. God, we ask that you would renew that peace. We come back to you, Lord God. We turn away from the, the sin and, and, and the brokenness that we've been attracted to or that we've drifted into. And we come back to you, Lord God. And we want to say, Lord, renew your lordship in my life. Forgive me of my sins. And Father, our prayer today too as, as individuals and as a church is that we would be peacemakers. 
Lord, in, in a society, in a city, in a community, workplaces and industries that are so full of anxiety, stress, unrest, depression. God, may we be those who minister peace to, 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 to the, the, the world around us, to people around us. Even now, Lord God, I just pray that as we're in this time of prayer, you already start dropping names and faces of people that need your peace. And God, that, that, that Lord, we just say, use us, God. Fill us with your peace as we turn towards you that we might then turn towards others and minister peace to them. You give us wisdom on how to minister peace to our families. Lord, that we would speak Jesus to our families. We would speak Jesus to dark and broken places. We'd speak Jesus to those in, in anxiety, in depression, in fear, in confusion and chaos. Father, we, we, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And for his glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.